Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 455 featuring Kim Davidson, who is the president and CEO of Side Effects Software. He's actually not just a president. He was one of the original founders. And yes, he's been at the company since 1987. He is truly a legend in the world of computer graphics and has seen it all in terms of how the businesses run, how features are run, how all of these things were, were done uh, way back in the day until today. So honestly, this is an incredible history lesson in the world of computer graphics and especially how it affects the things like the visual effects world. And I really thought it was amazing to have him in, uh, in there. Uh, he even talks about you know, generally how side effects got started, how it was part of another company. And you just have to listen to the story, but it was really kind of interesting to hear all of that. Um, and he also talks about you know the influence of why Houdini is the way it is and how it was basically very different from anything else at the time and how now it's sort of integrating itself into lots of different areas. It's not just integrating itself into areas that are different from effects. It's doing things like lighting and actually getting very interesting in terms of the world of uh, animation, but it's also looking at different disciplines and how it's getting into things like the AEC market, uh, which is the architecture market, uh, as well as automotive. And he's even thinking about, wouldn't it be interesting if Houdini started to be used in courtroom uh, witness uh, stuff? which is actually kind of interesting in itself. So really, really great. Talks a lot about why they embraced USD and how that got part of Solaris. Uh, and, you know, he talks, he talks about everything, including I asked him what are some of the crazy things that Houdini does uh, that he really thinks it's interesting. He says, well, more interesting right now is in uh, the most recent Houdini. He loves the new feather system, which in his own words is completely over the top, but completely amazing at the same time. So uh, I just uh, think it's awesome. So again, side effects uh, and Houdini have uh, been a very important part of the world of computer graphics. Uh, they've won many SciTech awards, including an actual Oscar, which is very, very rare in SciTech. Uh, so it's kind of awesome that Hakim was able to talk about that and about that amazing history. So uh, I've been wanting to talk to him for a while. Uh, we've actually been trying to do this podcast uh, way, way, way back like in the beginning of the year and it finally got around to happening sometime in uh, the fall and now it's being released now. So uh, really awesome to have Kim on. Okay, we do have a couple of announcements uh, at Chaos here, a couple of product stuff. Uh, V-Ray 6.2 is out. Very excited to have that. It's got many new things, including cross-platform integration with Enscape, but more importantly, it's got a lot of things going on in terms of uh, Material X integration and we've enhanced a lot of our USD support as well. So definitely things to check out. You can just go to chaos.com for that. But I also want to talk about Corona 11, which has also been released uh, recently, and uh, it's got a lot of new features there as well. So if you guys are interested in Corona, you can definitely check those out. Corona uh, tiled map has been added, a lot of new, uh, which allows you to do, you know, some interesting things with tiles, such as like bathroom tiles, kitchen tiles, etc. And procedurally, uh, we've done a lot of things in Corona in terms of how we implemented scatter, uh, then certain things like uh, allow scatter to work at different altitudes. So you can the, do min and max altitudes in terms of, you know, terrains and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Uh, also a look at. So in case you have a bunch of things that are uh, scattered, you can have them all pointing in a specific look at direction, which is cool. Uh, some new edge maps up, including edge scatter. So a lot of new features. Definitely go check those out. Just go to corona-render.com. Uh, corona for all of the news on Corona Render if you guys are interested in Corona 11, which is really cool as well. 
Uh, okay, I do have uh, one more announcement I want to talk about events. Uh, you can find all our events at chaos.com slash events. We can have a new webinar specifically on ArcViz masterclasses with creative lighting with our very own good friend, Nikos Nikolopoulos. Uh, this is happening December 6th through the 25th. Uh, this is an ArcViz masterclass on creative lighting uh, and it's part of an eight, uh, eight, a series of eight of them. They're going to happen between December 6th, uh, 2023 and will end on September 26th, 2024. So if you want to follow the series, go ahead and go to chaos.com slash events to rev, uh, reserve your seat in this webinar. All right. Uh, that's about it for our announcements in the company. Uh, if you guys want to know more about the podcast, of course, you guys know how to follow us there. Just go to chaos.com slash CG Garage. Um, and if you'd like to follow us on Facebook, it is facebook.com slash CG Garage Podcast. If you'd like to watch this podcast, uh, all of our videos are up at uh, youtube.com slash chaos group TV, including the podcast videos. And if you'd like to give us some feedback or suggestions on uh, different episodes or guests, uh, we've been getting uh, lots of great ones this year and we'd love to continue to hear your suggestions. Uh, our email is labs at chaos.com. Again, that is labs at chaos.com. But for now, please enjoy episode number 455 with Kim Davidson. Welcome to another CG Garage where the Chaos Group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. Okay, so... Cam, it's been, uh, we have been trying to make this happen for months and months, and finally, <laughs> we're able to do it. So thank you so much for, for being on. I think we met uh, we met in person for the first time at the Real-Time Economic Summit. I think so. Yeah, which was fun. And I saw you at SIGGRAPH briefly. Um, but uh, you obviously have an extremely long and interesting history in, uh, uh, obviously, in the industry. And I'm curious, because obviously, side effects has been around for a very long time but what got you interested in doing what you do like what was your what was the things that poked you, your interest in terms of making images on a computer well i've been around 36 years for side effects and a couple of years before that at a company called omnibus and that really was in a little bit of computer graphics before that but remember that was the days of computer graphics or maybe you don't remember but yeah that was mainframe computers uh big mag tapes recording to videotape from an iconis frame buffer one you know wait for 20 minutes trigger it throw away the picture because you couldn't afford to save that right you know the pictures it was too much storage so that was real early but what got me interested uh chris was i just interested in a lot of stuff art and science all the time and and when i'd see that finally went to this one place to write some uh, software for them in Toronto called Omnibus Computer Graphics, which I just mentioned. They had gotten um, a grant from the Canadian government to write their own software because everyone in those days, there was no commercial software to speak of. Right. And so I started writing 
I knew nothing about 3D animation software, really. But did you, I mean, did you study computer graphics or at all? Or did no, you, no, that, no. So there, what was your, what was your I, education in? <laughs> I think the U of T might have had a had the, the digital graphics project going, Ohio State, you know. Right. Uh, but I didn't wasn't aware, and, and certainly where I went to Waterloo for computer uh, computer science. I also did architecture at Waterloo because I liked art and science. I thought that would be it. So I, I did, did computer science well. <laughs> at Waterloo, but it was like, you know, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I've done that, but I didn't really have, they didn't have opened up their graphics lab yet. So mm -hmm. like, I didn't know there was going to be a graphics thing going, but then all of a sudden I'm at this place writing software, looking at Ohio State, Frank Crow's scene assembler, you know, it's like, okay, we ha can do something. We have to, we need to do something like this. Um, Otherwise, it was a lot of, you know, just learning on the job, Chris. I no. Well, what was what, what constant did, what, learner? What did they, what was, uh, was it Omnibus? Is that what you was called? Omnibus Computer Graphics, which swallowed digital uh, productions, which worked on The Last Starfire, and it swallowed um, uh, Robert Abel, and, oh. who worked in commercials. So there was an Omnibus in California, in, on the Paramount lot, actually. There was a headquarters was Toronto. They were a public company on the stock exchange, and they had a New York office, and mm. they... The idea there, I think, was right. Get get big or go home, because you could see the commercial software was coming. I think Wavefront came out in the second year with Preview, which really and ran on an SGI Iris, and it's like, oh wow, this is you can have a graphics you know box for only one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and 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 in those days, you know, double that be what that price would have been, and 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 it's so, and it was called the personal iris. I don't know how personal a box that stands about the size of my desk here is, yep. but it, that was, um, and it did. I, I mean, I like to exaggerate on stuff like this, but what did it do? Twenty-two polygons a second in the viewport or something. Right. You know, it was like, but you could see it. You could see it before then. It was just like we were just doing drafting paper and calculating. You know, let's see, right hand rule. The camera would be okay no wait it's the uh, and so it was all like you know tracing paper and things like that i mean great great stories and it was all magical but by today it's like well you got that incredibly hard but right not it was incredibly fun <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, for sure for sure so so you that was really when you started to look at graphics a lot more i guess at omnibus right yeah that was sort of we did a little bit at a company that um called hcr um which was run by uh ron becker which is a, a, a sort of a one of those pioneers in graphics he'd done um, some early graphics but he was basically running porting unix to the all the big mainframe computers that was a big th popular thing to do in those days is mm -hmm. put unix on you know the convex and the and the compact and advent and all those uh, early big mainframe computers so i was doing that but a few little graphics uh, experiments there because that was ron, a lot of ron's background ron becker who founded the uh, um, hcr which became sco which took over a unix thing for them and i was long gone when all that a lot of that happened but i did a couple years um at just porting and doing a little bit, having a little bit of exposure to graphics, but really was at Omnibus mm -hmm. in 1985 where um, I go, I've died and gone to heaven. You know, <laughs> this is, this is, this is cool. You know, it combines everything I love to do. Yeah. Art and, and, and computer science, right? Science making art, you know, it's like at the highest level and, and motion. I mean, that was real important to me too, because right. You know, there's a lot of things where, oh, you could do a CAD cam kind of, um, you know, drawing of a Timex sure. watch or a car frame or something. But I loved animation as a kid and did a lot of stop frames. So, you know, the fact that there was like we could do 
graphics in motion that I think that appealed. And I think that the fact that everything in Houdini today, um, anything you want to animate, you want to put time on, you can do that. So I think that came like really early on because right. we we're always doing flying logos. I mean, built the flying logos, built the business. And sure. so the time element was always in, in, in what I did. Anything that had a variable could be animated, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the way we thought, you know, it's like, I think I'm, being lazy is a good thing because it's like, oh man, the director wants the type thicker. He wants the, the thickness to animate. It's like, so it's like, okay, let's just write this once. And anyone who ever wants this, you know, thickness and, right. and slant, we'll just make that a variable of time. Right. That's awesome. So what, yeah. what, what inspired you to start side effects? <laughs> well, as I said at Omnibus, I died and gone to heaven right. and, um, Omnibus was on the exchange, and they must have had. I was sort of middle management, I guess. I started as a programmer, but I ended up holding the animation director's job. I was the head of animation as well, so there were probably like eight people in Toronto that reported to me as animators. And all of a sudden, it was like 19, April 1987, and in walked um, the receiver in bankruptcy. Like, it's like, what's going on? <laughs> I guess I know now it's probably they defaulted on something or other right um and so other than finishing off a few jobs uh you know most or all of us were out on the streets um immediately and um there's nothing else i wanted to do i just thought i am not entrepreneurial i didn't, didn't you know i failed every entrepreneur test that i took at the time <laughs> but there was nothing in toronto i wanted to do but i knew i could animate like and make money that was a business so if i could we could set up so, and we wanted to keep it lean. So Greg Hermanovic and I said, okay, let's, um, just the two of us, uh, scrape some nickels together and put a bid in for the software. We written it omnibus and, um, and keep on going and see what we can do. And, uh, at least we could sort of, I could phone up and get jobs from advertising agencies and do the animation. And, um, sometimes I'd, writes code at night but mostly it was um, greg writing all the time and me doing a little mostly animation and some code storyboards you know that kind of bids right. on jobs yeah so you guys got your software back from the, <laughs> the bankruptcy yeah program. yeah exclusive <laughs> rights you know it's like it's sealed bid you don't know it's going to happen and we we put in two bids one just for the software right. um and one for software hard some hardware so we were successful in the um larger bid um Nice. We did, and we kept on going. Yeah, it was. We we're, were like up and running within about six months um, after getting some scraping nickels together. Neither of us are rich, so sure. you know, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters. You know, right? Wow. So, what was the what's the inspiration behind the name Side Effects? I think it was the thing at the time. It's mostly Greg. All the all the marketing and outward look. I was I'm more of an inside guy. I'd already told you I'm not entrepreneurial, <laughs> um, but I make a good partner for for an entrepreneur, and I think that that was Greg. And he loved these these names. Um, he's got a company derivative now and Touch One Hundred One. And I think that was also a thing at the time. Like side effects. Yeah, that's kind of a weird name bad thing like soft image and right. alias star stepping it's like what the hell were we thinking yeah. <laughs> vertigo i don't think yep. any of these were good names in that but they were at the time i guess right so, wavefront yeah. is pretty good too <laughs> yeah yeah i got it i got it well but anyway it was the names of the time i think sure. were trendy sure and then so i guess i mean you guys i mean i i'll, I'll 
you know, I know that Prisms was a predecessor to Houdini. Is that, did you guys start selling software right away or did you guys really yeah. just right away? Okay. Um, pretty much because, so we have the exclusive rights to the software, but if I go back um, just before Omnibus closed, um, John Penny, who was the uh, owner, operator, you know, founder of side of, of Omnibus rather, said, you know, we got us um, sell, we should sell this software. And, and he, backing up even further, let me put it this way. We had three sites of Omnibus and we were over the internet. We were updating through, you know, connect Unix and modems. We were updating the software developers at every site, animators, every site. So we were actually using the internet. We're like a franchise back in 1986. When you right. think about it, making the software um, updated over the internet every night by doing diffs, you know, Unix diffs and, sure. and CMPs and binary <clears throat> checks and things to see what had changed and only sending the minimum. So we already knew that. And plus we had to have documentation. It was um, Unix NROF uh, that was kind of our base for the documentation because everyone had to know what this thing did. So we we're sort of already supporting two customers or three customers because we were a customer in Toronto. And who, then John who were Penn, your first customers? So John Penny said, well, us ourselves, sure. we're always the first customer. That's what makes any, um, you know, lots of startups that the first customer is the person who's got the goal need problem. But we, um, John Penny says to Greg, we got to get on a plane. We got to go sell this software. So he goes to, this is months before it closed. We had no indication that they were that dire straits. Sure. We knew that they were um, a little stretch, but he flies to uh, Japan and sells um, to the Tokushinsha Film Company. He sold the um, licensing rights to the Prism software, and he also sold the name. I, I mean, I don't have the details, but they're called. They're, it's Omnibus Japan, and they're still Omnibus Japan as a customer today. Wow! So that was their first. Then they flew to London, England, and sold to a company called CFX Computer FX. Um, which was Craig Zaruni, if you know, yeah. um, was the, was the founder, and he had a partner there, and so he sold to Craig, and um, and then they flew home, and we thought, oh, we have two customers. Anyway, after we got the rights to the software, we called them and said, we have the rights. Do you want us to support you? And they go. In both cases, they said yes. Wow. So it's like, okay, well, there's two customers. We're right. a customer, and then all our people scattered and pretty soon we had dome productions here in town which doesn't exist anymore because sure. in floyd gillis in new york so like the people we knew didn't know where to get software but they this people wanted to do 3d software right. um maybe not them but maybe someone they went to work for and they said well i know prisms and so within a year we probably had like eight eight customers or something like that enough to say i don't have to animate anymore i can just focus on the software on software well, what was the inspiration behind Prisms compared to what other software was doing, or it was, or there was no other software? Really? Not really, not really. Be, that that's what made every software kind of different because, and really different, you know, symbolics, if you remember, and um, some were really lightweight, um, especially when the graphics cards came out. It's like, oh, we can make a really quick and easy mm -hmm. thing with this software. But ours was sort of heavy-duty software, but I'd say the biggest difference was we we built it off the Unix base, which was commands, and the pipe symbol in Unix is send the output of this to the of this command to the input of this command, send the output of this command to the input. So as long as you're passing sort of uh, polygons, um, and then you put, uh, put it in a little Unix loop, a shell loop, 
Yeah. Uh, so it's all just scripting when you think about it. And, all, and then so every SOP, we have those surface operators in Houdini. So every SOP, when you think about it, is just like sort of the instantiation of a simple Unix command that we had then. Of course, we have many more operations now and sure. um, combined operations. But it really was the Unix um, shell and the Unix uh, command language that, uh, or the shell language that I think was it and we had to animate everything as i i said earlier so that's amazing um, that's that's prisms it's just like we need to do this cbc you know network logo how do we do that write some new stuff use reuse some other stuff so so you you said you mentioned your bread and butter at that time was doing logos graphic logos right mm -hmm. <laughs> that's logos logos everyone's bread and butter for the most part when you think about it in the uh, i mean there was graphics in defense there was graphics in in medical and scientific visualization but in the media and entertainment i mean you got 640 by 480 mm -hmm. they've got five seconds of animation maybe there's a couple colored versions <laughs> yeah. and and they're going to give you like i think like I think the CBC was over a hundred thousand dollars for like five seconds of it, you know. Wow. Class, but they but they can run that for a for a year, and they're and sure. it's taxpayers' money. Or <laughs> maybe I will. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. It yeah, was of that they had the budgets. Those were the kind of only things like movies resolution for them. Like this is way too crazy. high. Yeah, way too high. Although we did work on at Omnibus, we worked on Flight of the Navigator yep. and um um. Uh, explorers okay and i think there might have been one more but you know sometimes it was just putting little video tracking video or a fly over a planet in in uh, in explorers so right you know there was um in a few shots of the spaceship and a lot of that was done in the at the paramount lot a little bit up in toronto but mostly on the paramount lot in la with kleiser uh, uh jeff walzak yeah, yeah few of those others gang down there yeah. so there was a little bit but that's sort of the m movie uses that omnibus was in fact i think flight of the navigator was cited by the previous uh, visualization as having one of the first uses of pre-visualization was of computers for pre-visualization oh, really? was in flight of the navigator interesting um so you know there's a little bit of movies we weren't really hooked to the movies to me it was like i just love doing this and it's like whatever pays the bills and that's like commercials um kodak london life just sure. trying to think of the bigger names but you know there'd be some some wheat and grain kind of thing for the prairie provinces that's five seconds that shows how great their um fertilizer is or something like that a gotcha. little, little piece within a commercial yeah well that's pretty interesting so so how did how did prisms turn into houdini <laughs> so prisms was uh, Prisms actually wasn't a graphic program for the longest time. It just needed a name because it was going to be sold, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and marketed in the shareholder report. So it actually is an acronym made up by John Penny for, um, and I'll get this wrong, but uh, you know I can I can verify this at another <laughs> point. But it's like photo real photorealistic uh, image synthesis and mathematical simulation, something oh. of that nature. Uh, be all capital letters. Um, and it was all not, there was like hundreds of program, hundreds of Unix commands, but nothing graphical till I think I wrote well, the first one for the um, IRIX um, 1020 um, a digitizer so that when you hit a button on your 2D drawing, you could see the polygon line and then you hit another 
to, you know, you enter another and it goes. And if it's wrong, you just have an, <laughs> you back it off. That was the first graphic program called Digitizer that was a part of the suite wow. of, uh, of Prism's programs. But when we um, started, we, we just kept writing everything more and more graphic. So the actual graphical main graphical program that we wrote after Omnibus was we called for the for the irix is um uh was called action um and you would have a little run script that you could put text uh, startup commands and was called that so you'd have a command file that was called action and we are the default was one two three dot rc so you know that was a uh, a little command, little little right. joke, I guess. But Action was the graphical program. We just kept adding more of what we had as standalone programs into the Action. But Action and all the other programs were written in this language called, I don't know if anyone remembers, the language called C. C. <laughs> just C. <laughs> the C programming yeah. language. Yeah. And then they and they skipped right past C+. They went to C++. So right. um, we knew that um, sort of all our ideas and you know you kind of add on needed a whole you know kind of a rewrite and we wanted to take advantage of the object-oriented language so right. that was really the genesis get rid of the prisms name i guess um which no one really liked put it all in a sort of a c plus plus put all these sort we had standalone programs wanted to put it all into one package and so that we started writing half you know about three or four years into it we started writing standalone um c plus plus programs that shipped with prisms and right then all of a sudden we just released Houdini, which was all those things in, in one, in one, one interface. Yeah. And so when was Houdini? What was the first Houdini one? When did that come out? <laughs> um, 96, I think it was. Oh, 96. Okay. So Prisms yeah. was around for a long time. Then. It went to Prism 7.0. Right. Um, but um, we had a bit of overlap too, because with any um, user, we'd ship both Prisms and, and Houdini. Yeah. Um, so, so besides, you said last, last Starfighter, is that what you said was the first thing? Well, last Starfighter was done by digital productions okay. and Omnibus with all their monies sure. or stock options. I think all these big companies were struggling. Sure. So they bought, um, digital productions. What was the first ones that you guys did, uh, at side effects, the first feature film that you guys remembered working on it or? Well, first of all, I always tell tell all the people, my parents, friends, and my wife's friends, as they sit around, go, "What movie did you work on?" I go, "Well, I don't actually work. I I do Microsoft Word. I give it to Chris. He writes a novel. I give it to someone else, and he writes like a you know some sort." Sure. (laughs) I said, so we don't write, but I would say, um, like one, Children of the Corn was was one of the uh, first ones that. it was used on um, the first Prisms one might have been Jingle All the Way, okay. um, and then Time Cop um, wow. by okay. VIFX in um, yeah in in, uh, in LA. I think VIFX got joined with Rhythm. That's yeah, and and Vision Art was another big one. They worked on um, you know Independence Day and won Academy sure. for Independence. They were um, used a lot of Houdini, so it really started around you know you know Houdini two or three where people they'd already used prisms on some some pieces of movies. But in fact, I used to, I have a big long list of uh, that I've stopped keeping, but because. Houdini's basically on Irie, but it's like, oh, I got one movie, so two this year, four this year, eight this year, and sure. it's like put a, P, and then I start putting a P or an H, you know, to distinguish whether it was prisms used or Houdini used, and number of shots that I could determine, maybe right. some notes about the artist. Now it's just like, 
and that was the beautiful thing, I think, Chris. You, you were, you. This is the, I'm getting into your era for sure. It's <laughs> like you knew everyone that worked on everything. Yes, because that's true. It was there were so only five shots in this movie, and you knew that guy that worked on it, yep. and, or the three guys that worked on it, and, and stayed up late at night. And now it's just like everyone in across the planet, you know, is is working on sure shots. Yeah, I, did. I I remember actually for for I wasn't working at Chaos at the time, but I remember the very first feature film that was done with with V-Ray that they did a shot with V-Ray. It was for Final Destination. <laughs> so it was like oh yeah, and there's that that log falling off, and you know you know exactly who worked on it and what it was. But yeah, I know, when it, I started, it's, it's, it's really rewarding, and not that it isn't no, now, but it, but it, but you know these are like little milestones or big yeah. milestones at the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember sort of when I started to get into visual effects, obviously. It was still. It was just sort of transitioning away from the SGI world to the PC world, and uh, you know Maya was sort of the de facto 3D package that people were using. Except all these other guys on this in this other room were doing stuff in Houdini, and I had no idea what was going on. I was at Digital Domain at the time, and there was you know the Houdini guys were like gods. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was very different. How did you guys sort of you know? you knew you guys were doing something different and you sort of uh, were approaching the, the world differently, especially in the effects and simulation side of things. What sort of inspired that, 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 that effects and simulation thing? Um, well, we, we didn't, you know, we're just doing things naively. We, I'm, I'm not a business guy with a strategy and a plan. It's like, Oh, you gotta be different. Just do what doing whatever the customer wants, um, ultimately. And, um, First of all, how it got into digital domain was they they started up um, this company with what Scott Ross, IBM, Dan um, Winston, and Cameron, and, uh, Cameron, and yeah. and they and they just had to get going quick if they're going to compete at the level of ILM, who has all this proprietary software, which was probably one of our biggest competitors at the time was proprietary software because oh, everyone right. had to do that. Um, to to uh, so it's not at the high level. It wasn't always you know Maya. It was like Oh, we have stuff at ILM, but right. Digital Domain had nothing. And when they hired, they just started hiring artists. You know, that's what you do when you have a startup. You just sort of fill the strategy by paying lots of money to some some people. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's just kind of like how the thing shifts. And they went to Kevin Mack and said, "What software do you want?" And Kevin Mack said, "Prisms." And it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he and 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 others that came from South Africa. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jason know, Iverson, Iverson and Hart, and yeah, uh, Mark Harsfield uh, and Prescott, like Prescott. Yeah. And they all um, were already onto the, you know, that way of working. Yeah. Um, but how did I get into how did we kind of start focusing on visual effects? Well, one, those were the kind of people that got it and got the best use. But we were selling everywhere in the world in the early 90s. We had resellers. I think we had like 12 or 13 resellers. Mm -hmm. I still have the like the reseller book over there. Mm -hmm. um, but then they, st be, but when compute when the graphics cards came in, and the, it, a lot more people could get on board. You see, people that understand business a lot better than I, they say, okay, it's all about market share, and it's a it's a rush for market share. And then you just saw all these little guys, all these companies drop off, be acquired, um, because. I think it was like mid 90. I'm competing against three public companies. I, uh, their side effects is, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a, SGI that has Alias and Wavefront, sure. they're public, yep. um, and they're going to you know make sure everything stays on the SGI box. Then there's um, uh, Adodesk who has bought 
um, 3D Max, right. 3DS Max. And then there's Avid, which uh, is a big, uh, you know, editing system that bought Soft Dimash, and they're just like going everywhere and and pricing and, and getting into trying to figuring out how to get schools and training. So the, they become the hot things. So if we're going to survive, I had a very smart guy, because I'm not smart, who said, you know, we need to focus on a segment that we can, you know, make a difference and the right side, a true segment you can get to, we can service that appreciates us, you know, could be games, could be Japan, you know, you have to kind of go through this thing. And it ended up being that um, high end film effects. So it's not that software wasn't used everywhere. In fact, it was used in all sorts of things, um, installations and in Japan and, uh, you know, the kind of thing, but it was like, We'll sell to anyone, but you won't. We're just going to focus on high end, and it was all right at Hollywood. I mean, they were all they were all there. It wasn't a global industry at that point, right? This is right. mid, probably like late. I'll just say two thousand, somewhere around there, where we're just like all in on on high end visual effects. So, and I know that we were the best software, and for them, and I'll tell you why I know that because they have money; they could buy anything they want, right? Sure. And, and um, they don't have to buy Prisms or Houdini. Right. They could buy whatever they want. And, and they choose, kept renewing and adding Houdini. So we, and we just kept taking their money and saying, you know, what do you need? What do you want? Oh, we'll put that in. And, um, and sort of we held our own. Um, and of course, now we're holding more than our own. Sure. We're, we're going gangbusters. But, but that was what really what saved us is just to focus on. Um, high-end visual effects, but I'm happy to sell anywhere. I mean, I, I love feature animation. I love, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a love and a passion. I nothing against visual effects. That right. it was, you know, I just have a lot of interest, and so it had nothing to do with me or or it, you know people in the company per se. It was more like a, I'd say, a survival at that point. Yeah, I mean, I just remember seeing some stuff that you know I just didn't, you know, at the time I just didn't know how it was possible to do it, and I only knew it because you know. Houdini it was like it's a Houdini thing, <laughs> and then the mm-hmm. digital domain had you know Voxel B, which was their Voxel uh, render, which was created all these you know splashes and stuff for Lord of the Rings, and I was and as well as you know Triple uh, X and all those other shows they did, and it was just unbelievable to yeah. me to see all that progression. So, but at the time, also Houdini was you know as you know if I'm entering very very early two thousands and I'm looking at Houdini, it was daunting to look at. <laughs> You know, it was it was a beautiful thing. And it was like, oof, this is a completely different way to wire your brain to make this work. But that's changed over the years. <laughs> well, I, th- I think it especially was if you had ex- um, exposure to a different another package. And that also became a bit of an impediment. It's like every package is hard. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I look at I look at someone doing something in Wavefront or my own go Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, so it only is made worse. It's, it's not like. It, it's it, it's not like there's a perfect test to say which one's harder, but you know maybe we didn't put as much prompts in or, or usage kind of things in. But then look at our the user base we focused on. We said, do you want to have a pop up menu or do you want us to make the water solver faster? And you, you know what the customer base that we were serving at the time was was right. answering. So we weren't trying to make it obtuse no. and hard. We were trying to like make sure it was 
the best it could be for Jason Iverson. Right. <laughs> exactly. Jason wants this. We give what Jason wants. Well, yeah, he might have been like the center of some sort of, you know, bullseye. Right. Now he's probably moved off to the edge of that bullseye somewhere. But, you know, he's he's still, he's still uh, you know, inputting. To, uh, as we speak, there's probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, I saw him not too long he's, ago. He's doing very well. Yeah. Um, well, so that's interesting but um you know and obviously you guys looked at things in a very much of a node-based construction of things which mm. that now is much more common but at that time there was only a few things that really focused on node-based ideas maybe flame had was very node-based and things like that um, yeah i remember one thing that um i think it was tom benoit or some did particus that was again there was these little experiments that um that was kind of cool to right. do some wiring um greg always said a lot of the wiring came from He's big into music, so it's like uh, the Moog, you know, synthesizer, and you plug these things in, and you plug different things in, and you get different results. So um, it just made it also made a ton of sense to what we're doing at Omnibus if you go way back when, because it's like I don't want to redo everything, but that third step, as long as I have the recipe, I just have to change one thing in the third step. Right. Right. Well, how have you noticed? Houdini change either that you know over the, the last so many years have you noticed the change or the, the way that people use it has changed or how is it how has things changed for you guys well I think the customer set has changed and so we've and we've gotten bigger um, but you know we get bigger and then they we get more tools and that they that the non VFX so we've been really focusing um, beyond VFX, let me put it that way. Yeah. Ever since, um, you know, the demise of soft damage and um, maybe the non-advancements in some of the other areas. So, so it's like, oh, okay, we have another dollar. Mm -hmm. um, we'll still do stuff for the VFX because that's the bread and butter, and we'll just, um, but we'll now rewrite the geometry library, and that takes two years, or we'll rewrite the, but right now, you can see we've rewritten the whole lighting um, system, which we call Solaris, it's based on, you. it's 100%, you know, like a USD core, so it's like look dev lighting, you get all these benefits, so we're just rewriting pieces that we never had the time, it's not because for lack of we don't care about the other parts of a pipeline, we're just trying to be survive, as I said, but now it's time, and it's kind of neat because there's enough changes. It's like, wow, you can do so much more with the graphics cards than you yeah. could if I'd rewritten this thing eight years ago. So sometimes waiting and for the rewrite is you don't matter wait. if someone else went first. You can use someone else's, you know, uh, they they pave the way and you say let's do it right or let's use the very very latest research. Um, let's see if we can get some ml in that that kind of thing so basically it's still a full pipeline we're just rewriting all the pieces in in what we think is the right order <laughs> we're doing the character stuff which we just uh, launched a lot of um, the character tools and we'll we'll do some more um before annecy i think um which is a big animation show in annecy france uh, yeah. in june so yeah so the character's getting a lot of that and uh, and who knows maybe maybe some other 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 pieces of the pipeline well, I think, you know, Solaris is kind of brilliant. Honestly, it's it's someone had to take the first step and I'm glad it was you guys to do it because I think it was so important to think of something that is based on USD that actually makes sense to do, right? As opposed to, because it really, a lot of people resisted USD because they didn't, they still wanted to be stuck in their little 
you know, uh, walled gardens. <laughs> and I you, think you guys really looked at it. And honestly, our, our, our customers are all into USD and Solaris is very, very exciting to them. Well, it's like a USD editor at the end right. of the day. It was um, because it's native. Um, we, you know, we, um, we were actually, the, it's, it's sort of fluke though, in, in many ways, Chris, we were, um, just sort of in about two years of into rewriting our lighting and look dev and a lot of it's just research and, and um, asking a lot of questions and one of our leads on the project of rewriting lighting and, and looked at because you could see stuff like Clarice and um, Katana and stuff like that it's like oh you know we could get more real time into this so we're looking at it and we can get light editors and light linkers and all that mm -hmm. and one of these meetings was with Pixar and they go, you should base it on a USD. So that it was almost, it's like, so all those, that work is like kind of scrap that we're going USD. So timing was everything I think in that meeting. And um, we're very happy. We, we went that route. Um, it doesn't, it's a whole new subsystem, but over time we're, you know, sort of making things easier and easier to get in the, if you don't commit as a studio, it's a little little harder, um, or even as an individual. Like I find that the one-off people, if they do everything in USD, they're just so happy. But if you're sort of got a foot in both worlds of SOPs and USD, it's probably a, a little 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 more challenging. But sure. that said, the benefits far outweigh you know anything any little struggle. So we'll I think it's the right I, I'm sure it's the right thing to do. It's um, really helped USD. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on Hydra and how that 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 how the viewport is is changing as well? <laughs> well, that's to me that's one of the, probably one of the benefits that we right. ended up you know getting excited about when when we're talking to uh, adopting this standard. It's like wait, if we're rewriting our render, it'll and anyone else has USD, we can do that, and we can also more easily support any other render out there as long as they we don't have to sort of help them convince them that you know they should write a, a houdini right um that works with houdini just just make it delegate <laughs> delegate yeah yeah so that's that i think is really cool for the industry and i mean i'm all about like let's share and i hate with the walled gardens and obviously we, we all have to make some money but sure. i also love sig graph and sharing of ideas and i found there was a lot of times and still that you know it's like i don't know what what do you what do you what what's in, what do you got in your hand you know kind of thing it's right. going on <laughs> i i know i think it's interesting also because obviously you know especially in visual effects people are very very much want to have an open <laughs> pipeline right yeah and that pipeline is is i think it's very beneficial to everyone if they because also the other thing is that a lot of these studios now, especially on big feature films, they have to share data. <laughs> and they, the more they can share, the better it is for everyone. So if someone embraces an open source platform and, or, or, you know, then they're going to go to that, <laughs> I think, above anything else. Yeah. That said, I, you know, I, I, I totally, totally respect original ideas and proprietary sure. um, software that we might have the ability to see by visiting all these studios. And, the last thing we want to do is steal anyone's advantage. Um, it's only when it sort of becomes common practice and everyone's doing it just in a, <laughs> a kind of convoluted way. It's like, okay, we're going to write a feathering system that's not like anyone else's feathering system. And right. we're going to do it and we do it. And uh, it's, not, it's not a secret sauce. It's just native to Houdini. 
What are some of your favorite things that you guys made over the years? You mentioned feathers, but you know, like you guys do like, like, oh, they have a thing that does this. Like, what are some of the favorite little <laughs> things you guys did? Well, the feathering that just came out in Houdini 20 is like over the top. Like, right. it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously it's my current favorite of like kind of functional things because it starts, you know, it's like you can go right down and control the barbs on it with, yeah. and change it down the way. It's like, wait, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to work in my own company. What the hell is this? <laughs> wizardry that's what it is yeah um then being an animator i love the um some of this apex um, um ephemeral rigging that's uh, now in houdini 20 and the promise we got to get more animator tools but the rigging is already like just blows me away nice it's it's um because you can switch back and forth with there's you know with constraints you can use some uh, physics to um and then turn on the physics to get the ball doing what you need and then turn it right off again and keep on animating it's like Again, it's one of those things of being an animator to watch the char- some of the character animation being created in the early stages with the our, our new software. Yeah. Um, it, but thinking back over over time, hmm, good, that that's a good question because there's so many cool cool little things. Like I'll, I'm the biggest fan. I think the staff knows that when there's there's stuff that's in like Houdini 10 or 11 and I go to the desk and I go oh my it's like I'm just like salivating it's like I wish I was still a programmer and animator I'm living so vicariously through these people <laughs> I think it's awesome I think I was thinking that, you know the, the 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 weird amazing sort of edge case scenarios <laughs> that you guys have solved over the years that have totally changed the way people think. And I also think it's interesting because I've seen the influ- the software that you guys create enables certain things to happen that actually influenced films to use those things. I've found that very, so you guys influenced the direction of film, I think, in a lot of interesting ways. Yeah, I think like something like What Dreams May Come, yeah. which won the Academy Award. It's like, you know, it's like you have to have kind of like play around with some tool in a system like Houdini to sort of fool around with the wind and the flow and then the color and then the changing. And it's like, whoa, the whole landscape, wait, we can do that, you know? And so, and, and certainly with motion graphics, a lot of it's just like, show me something else, show me something else, show me something else. So with, with uh, some wedging now and PDG, which can wedge like infinitely, you can just kind of like serve up a whole lot of, uh, either training data, but in the case we're talking about, you can serve up a whole lot of choices for, um, for a director. Yeah. I think it's really kind of, kind of fascinating. Uh, what, what are you, what are you seeing as the, as what's coming up next for you guys? Well, like, what, what direction are you got? I mean, for example, you mentioned you're looking at things that are outside of visual effects. So what, what are those fields? Are you looking at automotive architecture? What, what are the things you're looking at? Well, first of all, I, I think a visual effects is, is pretty pure thing. Obviously, everything's sure. a visual effect. Um, so the first goal, uh, we have a lot of growth within media and entertainment. Sure. Um, we when you go into the the lighting side and the and the and the character side and the you know um, modeling and compositing. Um, right. Those are certainly all tools that our current customers are want in no particular order or some deal you because know, they all want something different but mm-hmm. um, we have a lot of growth within the current customers and then there's still customers in europe largely europe and in asia that have 
are just here about Houdini, but they're not really. They're getting trying to get more customers within M&E. Right. And then, of course, games is probably the smallest of them. Right. TV, commercials, animation, motion graphics is is probably our, the larger than gaming. But we have, we have a grow a growing game. We there's stuff we can stuff. There's things we can do that um, particular to games. Um, connections into the engines, of course, um, better um, environment tools, uh, which we didn't advance that much in this release, but we're. We showed a little ML on those, and we're going. You know, we have some growth. I think the games could take advantage of some of that. Um, the character animation um, workflows are are suitable for games. Lighting USD a little less so. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I think first of all, within M and E, we have a lot of growth. So that's our. That's a lot of what drives us over the next few years. That said, um, you know, we've always had customers outside. Um, right designers um visual you know uh, scientific uh, viz labs yep. uh, medical wallpaper designers <laughs> you know it's like those are really cool like a uh -huh. courtroom you know like a courtroom recreation it's like you know that's going to some other software but right. it's like we could we could do that you could do that in houdini it's a little overkill but right. is it a market is it sizable can i get my hand around autonomous driving vehicles um right the, the, but the even just like car configurators, I could see like, you know, if you're, yeah, that would be a huge, Houdini would be a huge advantage there. Right. You, and you don't even have to know you're using Houdini, right? Because right. you, you can throw it up the engine, Houdini engine, the non-graphical Houdini up in the cloud and, and have thousands of them. And then there's some interface that goes and, and uh, you know, sends, does a couple changes and the engine's all there. If that's the only thing you do, then write it natively. Right. Don't use Houdini. Right. But we're certainly a great prototype for that sort of stuff. But Hopefully, um, we'll find um, some good use cases that kind of scale. Let sure. me put it that way. Um, but you're you're into a whole. Maybe you partner in there too. That's the other thought. It's like if it's a whole new Rolodex, and it's not who I call on and my expertise, and to focus the company a little bit. There's probably a good partnership opportunity. Yeah, if anyone's listening. Uh, <laughs> Judith Crow. Judith is awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did. I did a podcast with her as well. Since it was, I know. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really cool. Uh, so I also, you know, like you guys have won several awards over the years. What are some of those awards you guys have won? Well, we've won f uh, from the science and technical, uh, the Ampass science and technical, um, division. It's, we've won five, you know, sort of unique awards. Right. Um, and you, as you probably know, there's three different levels. They can yep. uh, award those things at certificate. Mm -hmm. A plaque, uh, a plaque and or the a, Oscar <laughs> and the actual Oscar and they don't have to award any in any given year and they can award 500 in a year but right typically um, I'd say that on average the Oscar's been awarded every other year or two years out of every three years something like that so um, it was kind of neat that's our biggest award you guys won an Oscar Oscar <laughs> yeah an Oscar Oscar uh, uh, Maya's won an or Alias won an Oscar too so right. In the first one, we had the certificate, and they always had the plaque. The next one, we had the plaque. They said, I thought, always a bride, never <laughs> bridesmaid. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. So, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it was nice to get the Oscar, but we've gotten um, a couple, uh, three plaques and um, two certificates, I guess, over awesome. the years. And they generally go to the people, but in the Oscars case, it, only one person was named. That was Mark Alant, our very first hire. Right. And, um, and side effects. So I was... Uh, I was kind of reluctant, but happy to get up and accept it on behalf of all the great programmers that we have. 
That's awesome. When when was that awarded to you guys? Two thousand and nineteen, I think it was. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. that's the thing, Chris, about getting orders. Like I have all this stuff in Excel, all the dates, everything you need, but you said, Oh, don't prep, man. <laughs> So what what is it that you want to do? I mean, obviously you said you you keep talking about how your 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 company is getting smarter than you are. So what do you what? But what do you want to do? What what are the things that excite you? Personally, yeah. Um, or side effects on behalf of side effects. Well, first of all, this is uh, there's nothing else I want to do like but be at side effects and um, and help shepherd it through and so they just have to let me know when i'm getting <laughs> old and 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 uh decrepit and not being able to do it but uh i i mean just hire smart people but w one thing i really love is just production i have to be real careful because i don't want to compete with my customers but i kind of want to eat our dog food but plus i just love it personally sure so if i can get close to production um without but keep my eye on side effects or somehow get you know houdini a part of that right. so i'm always kind of thinking how can because there's so many cool things in production that drives new ideas you know and i'm not talking virtual production vr i mean yeah if that's what it is what it or ml whatever it is i just like i think there's something really cool but at the end it's like what's the cool story that and formats that haven't been tested and all that so i really i really think um you know if i could find the time to sort of like get a little closer i did um create a 52 episodes of a, a tv show a oh, kids really? tv show uh around the year 2000 called monster by mistake and it, it was like there was this thing that was bigger than side effects just down the street that i you know was a you know executive producer and and creator and they used houdini and but I never had much time to like just hang. <laughs> I was too busy trying to like, you know, work with side effects. So right. that was kind of cool. I don't know if I do, you know, uh, that, but I was going to all the shows selling. So I learned that biz a little bit about selling, you know, developing pitch books and pitches and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I never want to necessarily do it exactly that way. It's uh, not that it was a bad experience. It was just like been, been there and it's like, there's something else to cool, cool yeah. to do. I mean, it's interesting, you know, I I was talking with, a, I don't know if you know Chris Blythe or not, but he and I mm -hmm. were talking and he says, you know, it's amazing to see how things have changed in visual effects. You know, if you had told me 15 years ago that the, 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 the programs that people would be really booming right now would be Houdini and Blender. <laughs> you know? And it just doesn't seem like, you know, Houdini was always very cool, but very niche, but now it's just getting into so many wonderful things. And I'm really, really impressed with what you guys have been, have done in the last 15 years. It's just really interesting. And uh, congratulations, man. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, we're not done. I know. I can't wait to see where you guys are going. And then I know as you mentioned, you know, it's like you're doing more and more in animation. It's like, well, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. But uh, well, it, yeah, it's just a lot. It's all a lot of fun. We just want all the parts working together. Sure. Um, and because why should it why should it be so hard <laughs> and i don't mean houdini i just mean animating in general it's like right. oh i have to say i have to create my own form asset management file to save to get to your render wait i have to do oh i got this cool tool but there's no standard so i fbx will that work 
it, it's like, man, it's like, let's standards, man. Like it's not, not the only solution obviously, but right. I'm glad to get back to some standards because then we can all, I don't mind the competition, you know, it's sure. sort of like being an insurgent. It's, it's an easier almost an easier position to be in you know we, you we were harder. we were stuck on fbx for way too long <laughs> yeah 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 for sure well, listen i know i don't want to take up too much more of your time but it was uh, awesome talking to you and thank you so much for for this great history into houdini i, I know that we've uh you know v-ray for houdini has been <laughs> become more and more and more and more and more important for us and absolutely so uh, we're very excited about uh where it's going and where our customers are excited about it we are excited about it so congratulations kim and hopefully i'll see you again soon <laughs> I, I absolutely at one of these different conferences that we all see that, that you and i that seems to be our stock and trade now is yeah we always going. meet at, at different random places and it'll probably fmx next time or something like that <laughs> it, it will happen i'll all see right. you there thank you all right <laughs>